Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. about this review. This review is going to be great because I found a hidden gem. Uh, I found a lovely little game. I am very happy with it. Today we're here to talk about Live a Live. Yikes. Um, before we do that, though, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the show. Uh, this is going to be the last video episode of Home on the RNG. Uh, but fear not. Russ and I, first of all, you'll notice there was a, a significant gap in uh, reviews there for a little while. And that's just life. You know, life happens. But during that gap, Russ and I were still talking about the show and about games we wanted to play. And uh, it kind of occurred to both of us about the same time. The nature of this show really would work better as a podcast. Uh, and there's advantages to that. Uh, on the one hand, the, the capturing of footage for this review show is it's a little bit of a burden because it limits the ways in which we can play. At least one of us has to play it in such a way that we can capture footage. We're not just free to, oh, there's a switch port, I'll just play that. You know, one of us has to take on the burden of getting the footage. And I'm going to be playing all future games on my Switch. Um, and then... The, with the footage, I do all the editing uh, because I have the experience in the software and the hardware. Uh, it's it's more burdens, it's more work to put in all the video footage and everything as well. We realized as a podcast, in some ways, would be less manual labor for both of us. And we're adults with busy lives, and we don't make any money off home on the RNG. It's a work of passion and a celebration of our friendship. We do it because we enjoy it. But why not minimize how much work it actually is to have this? Uh, there's also another benefit to it. Because of the nature of this video, look at this couch. We can't <laughs> fit a whole lot of people on this couch. No. Uh, especially not with me on it. Uh, I, I am a hefty boy. Russ has diminished over the years. I've diminished over time. Uh, I am still quite a hefty boy. If we went to a strictly audio medium... There would be nothing preventing me... You can have a drink. Have a drink. There would be nothing preventing us from having guests come on. Uh, because I have a lot of friends who are video game nerds. I've got a lot of friends in video game cover bands. Friends who love certain games. Many of whom I think would contribute a lot to a conversation. And I think would be entertaining to listen to. 
So one thing going forward with a podcast that I can do is I can just do the call out to people in the area and say, hey, we're doing a review of game X. Does anybody want to come in and have a discussion about this game? And we can have five, six people in the discussion instead of it just being me and Russ. Me and Russ would still be at the core of it. There will never be an episode of Home on the RNG that is, does not include Russ and I both. But I can bring in more people. So uh, this is going to be the last video review for Home on the RNG. After this, uh, by the time, let's see. I'm not sure how the posting is going to work. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter, and I will keep up to keep us up to date as we start converting the backlog into podcasts and then working on new episodes. Uh, eventually, we'll have a website just for the podcast. We will turn it into something. Um, uh, in fact, once it gets going, I, just me, will make a video announcing with some links and everything on this YouTube channel. So if you're a fan, you can still find us. Um, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I do think this sure. is the right direction. I think it fits the format of what we're trying to do better. Okay. I agree. And I don't have to get any plastic surgery. His plastic surgery bill was getting a little high. A lot. It is not easy yeah. to look this pretty. No. So um, that said, that's out of the way. Let's talk about Live a Live. And let's start, as we always do, Actually, we can probably skip personal history if I think about it. We can skip personal history because my personal history is I forgot that this game existed until you said something about it, and I had never played it. Yeah, um, I, I had never played one second of it, and never will again until we started. Um, I became aware of the existence of this game last year. Um, I bought a book of Super Nintendo... It was a Super Nintendo art book from Bitmap Books. If you like video games, I highly recommend going to look at Bitmap Books. They produce some gorgeous books full of details. In, they do in-depth interviews with creators and gamers and reviewers about individual titles. Their books are amazing. They look great. They are great. They're not paying me for this. I buy pretty much every bitmap book that comes out. And as I was flipping through the Super Nintendo one, I came across a JRPG I'd never heard of that looked really interesting, especially since the first screenshot they gave was from a prehistoric section, and I have never seen a prehistoric JRPG. So I, I've Chrono always... Trigger. Well... Chrono... Chrono... Trigger... Has it has a Stone Age sec a prehistoric section? When I saw this, I thought it was just a full prehistoric game. Deep breath, deep breath, brother. Chrono Trigger. I I understand. So uh, I'm in my life. I'm always on the lookout for hidden gems. I watch the most obscure, awful movies in the hope that one day I will turn on one and just change my life. And I kind of feel the same way about JRPGs now as we work on this. I am always on the lookout for the unusual, the bizarre, trying to find that next game that we play and go, wow. So I wanted to try Live a Live, so I put it on. That's our personal history with Live a Live. Uh, so we will go ahead 
and having skipped personal history, breaking up the routine for this final <laughs> video, uh, we will go to story and characters. I did it in one sentence. That's all it deserves. Seven small stories set in seven time periods lead to an adventure that spans epochs. That's the story. That makes it sound much more interesting than it actually oh, is. It's very interesting. <laughs> uh, the game is set up... I'm hoping I get the numbers right. So that it, at, at the beginning of the game, there are five time periods you can pick from in any order you want. You play through that section, and then you go back to the selection screen. Once you finish all five, a sixth is unlocked. Once you finish the sixth, the seventh and final chapter is unlocked. And the seventh one is actually what ties the previous six all together into one story. Up until that point, there's hints that there is a connection, but it's not real solid. Did you want to talk about the characters of Live a Live Russ? I am going to not have a lot to contribute. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take this moment to say that this is the game that almost ended this project. I almost said that too. Because I, we decided to play this game right around the time that just a lot of life stuff came up for me. And I didn't have a lot of time to play video games. And all of a sudden, I was faced with playing this game while dealing with all of my regular, normal adult life stuff, um, and trying to play, have like at least one video game that I was just playing for fun, because it is the number one thing that I like to do to relax after a long and stressful day. Um, and this is not a fun video game. I disagree, but go on. He does disagree, but this, this video game is very much uh it's very weird it's something i probably would have liked when i was younger it is very weird it's very experimental in a lot of different ways but just at the point that i was at in my life at that specific time i did not have the strength <laughs> or the resources to get through this game so i have played a smidge of about three or four scenarios in this game. I've played a little bit of the prehistoric section. I've played the, I put, well, I did play the whole cowboy section. Um, and, and it just, it, yeah. And I, so I don't know a lot. <laughs> Luckily I do. So I guess I'm carrying this review. Um, and I'll talk about more of the individual time periods, I think in innovations, because I, each time period has unique mechanics, which is why I'm going to talk about them in innovation. Um, to me, this game really feels like it was a game jam. Like, yes. they just, they went into an office and they said, all right, you guys do the prehistoric section, you guys do the far future, uh, how about a cowboy section, how about, like, a modern day Street Fighter thing, like, they just, because every section, while sharing some design elements, is very unique. You can't be very unique. You're either unique or you're not. I'm sorry. It's it's just they're unique. <laughs> they are unique. They're... Unique is a binary. Thing. I mean, one section is like you said. One section is a Street Fighter section. It still uses the battle system from all the other sections, but the whole thing is just fighting a series of 
Yeah, there's buff, no there's no overworld map or anything. You're just you're a fighter guy and you're fighting a series of other fighter guys to with be a, the best with a selection screen that kind of reminded me of Mega Man for some reason. <laughs> Uh, and there actually is a best order to do them in because you learn their abilities, so it is very like it's Street Fighter meets Mega Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you go through each of these individual story elements. Uh, I, I almost feel like part of this should be an innovation, but we'll cover it here. Um, you acquire different skills, and different chapters have different ways of acquiring skills. Some of it's just leveling up, some of it's learning them. Uh, each section has a level cap. And then you beat that section, go back to the menu screen. In the final chapter, uh, there's the sixth chapter is a medieval setting, like a typical fantasy JRPG, where a hero is betrayed horribly. Your main character at the very end of that section just is terribly betrayed and taken advantage of and turns to the dark side, essentially. Uh, he becomes a villain. He inherits the main villain's castle, and he decides to destroy all of time. And that's when the little hints, because most of the in-bosses are ODO, ODM, like they have a similar sounding name, and it turns out it's this guy controlling the bosses from his time period across all of time. Uh, and then the seventh one, all the characters basically combine. You get to pick four of the six characters to be in your party some some time frames have more than one character and you can go up against the final boss and fight him with your selected party and their unique skills um, so that's basically how the game works uh, but we're going to go ahead and move into combat system where Russ will be able to have something to say combat system actually reminds me of like a simplified version of trails in the sky yeah i i can see that except that trails in the sky is a fun video game you can't even for a second <laughs> you're on a grid you can move around the grid and various skills and abilities affect various areas of the grid you might have something that can punch right in front of you or hit a wall in front of you or hit on a diagonal and the enemies do the same. Although it's not turn-based, if you just sit there for too long, the enemies will take their turn. So you right. really want to move as quick as you can. The thing... So the first segment I played, because you, like, cause like you said, you can pick like five, any of the five at the beginning. Yeah. Well, the first one that I picked was the cowboy one. I want you to guess which one I picked based on how you know me and my rules. I want you to just guess the prehistoric one. Yeah, can you guess the order in which I played them? By chronological time period. <laughs> yeah. yes, of course, of course you did. I just thought the cowboy looked interesting, and I thought this would be interesting. So, by the way, cowboy does, JRPG, not a lot of them. Wild Arms, and yeah, not a lot of them. Wild Arms also not on our list of games we need to play. Oh. I've got to go update that. Um, so anyway, the first section I played was the cowboy one. The cowboy section, this was related to the battle system. The cowboy section starts with a battle. It's like the first thing that you do. Yep. I was confused by it on what to do, but it's a super easy battle. Super, super easy. You know, and I, and I did figure out like, oh, he has these different gunshots and they do this range of attack and whatever. And the boss can be killed. The guy that you're fighting can be killed in like one hit anyway. 
So super, super easy. Then you play the rest of the cowboy section, and it's kind of like the spaghetti western. You're preparing these townspeople to fight off against some bandits that are coming to the town, but it's just... It's collecting items to give to the townspeople so that they can do all of these, like, hijinks. I was going to talk about this in innovations, but I like to think of it as the Home Alone section. It is the Home Alone section. There's a bandit group that's coming, and you have a limited time frame, so you explore the town to find items to assign to village people to set up to attack the raiders as they come in. And different people in the town are better or worse at setting up traps it takes them longer or slower so you have to talk to the townspeople to find out their relative speeds right uh there's some hidden items you can use anyway so anyway you give the townspeople these items to set up the traps to stop the bandits and there's no combat in any of this situation so you fought one battle at the beginning and you're doing all of this story related stuff and then you watch the whole home alone situation play out and then you fight one more battle. If you did it perfectly. At the end against, well, the number of enemies that are in that battle depends on how many enemies okay. the townspeople were able to take out. I, I took out all of them but the boss. With so. all of their hijinks. But even, but here's my point. Even if you take out all of them except the boss, this is what I do. This, is, this encapsulates what I don't like about the battle system. In that boss battle... I kept, like, moving to a particular square, and then he would move to a particular square, and then just insta-kill me. That and particular I thought, boss why is... does this keep happening? And I looked it up online, and it turns out that if you are in a particular square, and he is, like, right one square up and one square to diagonal, the side of you, yeah. diagonal to you, he will always use this particular attack that is an insta-kill, and you can't do anything about it. And nowhere in the game does it choreograph, does it, not choreograph, but does it, nowhere in the game does it tell that. There's nothing in the game. You were looking for telegraph. Telegraph, thank you. I said choreograph, I meant telegraph. Nowhere in the game does it telegraph that this is a thing that can happen, or this is why he is using this attack, or anything like that. And then like in the fighter section, there's there's bosses that do things like that but then you want them to use particular skills and manipulate that so you can use it against the yeah, next like person. a blue mage if they use it on you right. you learn it you learn it and then you can use it against the next guy so i was so confused and then they give you all of these items that you get like a cigar heals you and just all of these items and they don't give you explanations about how to use any of them. No, but at least the item in the, the item screen is nice enough to tell you what items do if you examine it. Oh, I, all I know <laughs> is that I played that cowboy portion. And it was like battle and then real long story segment and then battle and then it was over. Yeah. Okay. I can't even verbalize. It just it blew me away in a bad way. Did you eat, did you play the far future section where you're like, an egg? No. We'll talk about it. No. Cuz that'll drive you even more wild. I played that then I tried the prehistoric section, which is probably the one of the closest to a traditional JRPG. Yeah. But then there's the whole thing that the people don't actually talk. Yeah, which I liked. Actually. Nobody actually talks. It's the t- it the opening thing tells you it's before the invention of language. Right. 
So it's they they communicate via emoticons and gestures, which I thought was interesting. I thought that was uh, neat. I don't know. They just there was something about there's something about this, and I know part of it is just like me personally, but it's just not. It's not none of it to me is interesting in a good way that I want to explore it. That I want to explore every every like weird thing that's going on. So. In order to continue running down the list of how this game works, the problem we have is every section is very different. For example, in the prehistoric times, there is no random combat. There is combat on particular locations that gradually move closer to you, but they are invisible unless you use the smell ability and you can see them coming. Whereas in the mecha future, which I think is called like the not-too-distant future or something, uh... It's you, there's an overworld, and you can see the enemies coming in at you. Like every section is, the, and then in the Wild West, there's three scripted. There are actually three scripted battles, but you don't really walk around and encounter them. You just have these three scripted battles. So it's hard to the grid system and the combat style are the same for everything, but everything else around the combat is hard to discuss unless you break it down section by section. I will say. Uh, your HP resets after every fight, which I do like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like if your HP drops to zero, a simple healing item will bring you back and work on you uh, unless you're hit again. So your HP drops to zero. Your job is to get somebody to walk over there and drop a potion or whatever the equivalent is on them before they get hit a second time. Because if they are hit while they're at zero, they are removed from the combat and cannot come back in. And then their HP resets after the combat. So I, I actually found both of those mechanics interesting. Um, well, that's a saga thing. That's a thing from... So I was fine with those. Yeah. Um, innovation, I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about. So we'll go ahead and go to innovation. Okay. You'll forgive me. I'm going to have to use this a little bit in my innovation section to help me out. Um, I even had the non-verbal speech in the Caveman Times as entertaining and unique. Because <laughs> I really thought it was fun. Um, the prehistoric section has a day-night section. It has a hidden boss, uh, which I did not fight, but it, it's there. Um, the Home Alone Wild West section we talked about pretty mm-hmm. in detail. I like that a lot. I like the strategy element. The Kung Fu section, you play an ancient Kung Fu master with three students. And you actually, instead of, you can't gain any experience, you're maxed out, you give experience to your students by fighting them to train them. Mm -hmm. So you can spread it out, or you can pick your favorite, and just, like, repeatedly fight them. I played some of that section, and that is probably the closest I came to really enjoying the game. (laughs) The ninja section has four potential endings. You're given a mission to infiltrate this massive headquarters and take out a guy. You can refuse to take the mission, in which case you are hunted down by your own people, and it's you just running and doing battle after battle after battle as your people try to kill you. You can go through and kill absolutely, and this one's super hard, I came so close to the pacifist run, where you don't kill anybody. You use trips and tracks, uh, traps to knock people out, or and you can kill non-human enemies, but 
they they set it up. I didn't realize this as I was playing it. They trick you because there's one boss. If you kill this one mechanical enemy in exactly the right way with the right move, it'll drop an item that you then can use to knock out a guard without having to kill them. I did the pacifist run, except I had to kill that one guard. So I didn't get the super special item you get for the pacifist run. You can also How do fun. That just sounds so fun to you me. You can do the bloody run where you wipe out everybody and you get a special item for that. Or you can just mix and match. Killing everybody's also hard. You got to track them all down and find every one of them. So it's basically Undertale. It's a little bit Undertale. <laughs> uh, and then the in between doesn't really get you anything special. Um, I mentioned before there's a level cap for each section. That kind of boned me in the mecha future because i figured out the mecha future was interesting because the combats were closer to being puzzle games uh because you had these enemies but if you could figure out just the exact right series of moves you could kill them all without them taking a hit on you uh and there were enemies that functioned kind of as walls that you had to take out using certain attacks and they couldn't counter attack so i really and as you leveled up the puzzle changed. The puzzle kept changing as you leveled up. So I was really got into this, and I'm just like, I'm just going to grind for a while. Problem is, there's a level cap. And I hit that level cap, and then had the whole story to play, and the mecha section goes on way too long, I think. <laughs> so for the rest of that battle, I, or the rest of that story, I'm still getting jumped by these enemies coming at me. I get no experience for it, and there's just no way to avoid it. That was frustrating. Uh, this game is not... I'm not even going to try and say this game is perfect. It is not. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems this game has is balance. Uh, some sections are very short. Some sections are very long. Some sections are too short. Some sections are too long. The far future section. You play an egg. You're a robot. You're a <laughs> robot egg. There is one fight in that. It's the boss fight. Two hours into it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you are on a spaceship and you're solving a mystery of who's killing off crew members. It's interesting, but it takes forever. Um, that's my biggest complaint with this game, is I just feel like it's unbalanced. Like, they needed to go through and try and, you know, let's, let's compress this, let's buff this up a little bit. I would have liked more from the Wild West segment. It was fun, but I feel like I could have had more. Uh, you can save anywhere at any time, which is kind of That's nice. That's good. It's a good innovation. Yeah. So, do you have anything to add to the <laughs> innovations? <laughs> I just realized I have been talking nonstop. Well, you've been talking nonstop because you were super into this game, and I had to uh, stop playing it for my mental health. I like the game a lot. It is not perfect. I would totally play a remake of it that, uh, you know, fix some things. Anyway, uh, we'll let Russ out of this hell he's living in, and we'll go ahead and move on to music. Because I do have something to say here, I guess. Russ, I feel like you have something to say. 
I do think I have something to say here. So I didn't know, um, this is the one interesting thing to me about this game, I didn't know until we looked it up for this game, that the composer uh, for, for Live a Live was Yoko Shimamura, who is actually a name that I recognize. She is called and probably is the most famous uh, female video game composer in the world. Most people know her as composing the main composer for Kingdom Hearts. Uh, yeah, but she did. But she's all, done. She's done, she's done a, lot. a lot for Square. Yeah, she's she's and done other and other Breath of too. Fire, Super Mario RPG, Secret of Mana, Xenoblade Chronicles, one of the Street Fighter two. Yeah, Street Fighter Final II, Fight, Final Fight, Gargoyles Quest. She's she she is a name that I had heard before, and I don't run in the world of Japanese video game composers but she is very famous and it is interesting that she did this game honestly i'll put the music in this game I, i'm not god knows i'm not going to blaspheme against you music people but i will say she is in the same ballpark as final fantasy music of that era yeah like the super nintendo era final fantasy music this kind of fits in it's of similar caliber to me, mm-hmm. it's it's appropriate, and and she gets to play with the different genres, and I think yeah. she does a good job. The music is fine. The music is there. Yeah, the music does its job. So uh, I guess we'll move on to final <laughs> thoughts, and Russ get me put out of his misery. <laughs> My final thought is that I don't think I am qualified to make a value judgment on the uh, quality of this game because it almost broke me to the point that I would never play video games for the rest of my life. Um, I will say that of what I played, I did kind of enjoy the Chinese martial arts training section. And I appreciate I've watched a little bit of this game on YouTube just to, you know, see what was going on with the later parts of the game I never got to. And I do appreciate the game for being something unique and uh, taking a lot of risks and being experimental. I just don't think it worked. It didn't work for me. There are other risk-taking experimental games that I've been very much into, and this just wasn't one of them. So I'm not going to assign this a letter grade because I don't feel like I played enough of the game to make that judgment. My judgment is just that it was not for me. As you can probably tell, I, I liked this game. I enjoyed it. I I truly do not understand why it bothers Russ on such a deep level. It is not a perfect game. The pacing between sections is off. Um, but I, I really like that they tried something new and different, and a lot of it did work for me. Uh, I, a lot of it was a lot of fun, and I, I love when people try something new, and admittedly, it didn't work perfectly, but I do think it worked. Uh, I'm gonna give it a B minus, uh, which, you know, not great, not terrible. Some of, many of us have had worse. Um, individual sections I would grade differently. Uh, the two, the Mecha Future and the Far Future would get much lower grades for me, but the Prehistoric section and the Ninja section get pretty high scores for me. Um, overall, I liked the game. I would play it again. I would like to see it released over here as some kind of remaster with some tweaks. 
Um, yeah, I'm perfectly happy with this game. Normally this is where I turn to Russ and say, hey Russ, if they want to play Live a Live, where do they go? But he's going to say Into the Sea. Yeah. So I don't want to live a live is what I think it all boils down to. You, you have to find a translated ROM. There's no other yeah, way. Yeah, there's no other way to play this, and that's for the best. It's never been released. Uh, it's likely never going to be released. Uh, it does make me wonder how many other Square games are hiding in the backlog of history, though, that we've never heard of, like this one. Um, Hopefully they're all as good. <laughs> play the game for yourself and you be the judge. Yeah. Is can. it a B minus game? Or is it a is it this totally, destroyed my world yeah. game? <laughs> is it, is it totally I feel like that's a good range. Unrateable because I couldn't handle it. Um Yeah. Anyway. Uh so our next episode again won't be on YouTube. I mean, maybe we could post the podcast to YouTube just without a video component, but that seems silly. That seems like a waste of... I mean, I could. We'll see. You know what? If somebody requests it, I'll do it. If somebody just, like, really needs to listen to it on YouTube for some reason, but this is the last Home on the RNG that will be posted to YouTube. Um, But we are playing a game next time on the podcast. Russ... What game are we playing? You've forgotten, haven't you? I have forgotten. If it helps, you're already playing it I am it at already home. playing it on the Switch, and it is Grandia. For what system? Grandia for the Switch. But what did it originally <laughs> it was originally, it was originally on, well, it was originally... Oh, God. Uh, on Sega Dreamcast. Really, I believe it was on Sega Dreamcast or Sega Saturn, and then I and then there was a PS One version. So I'm looking forward to it because yeah. I know nothing, nothing. Sega about Saturn. Greater. It was on Sega Saturn. Okay, uh, but apparently we're playing the Switch remake. I guess it's it's the original version. It's not a remake. Okay, it's, just, it's the original version of Grandia One and Two is on Switch, and I've been playing Grandia One. So I thought, why don't we make our first? Uh, why don't I overlap? We make our first podcast something that I'm already playing for fun. Uh, and then we can just talk about it. So if you've been listening to the podcast uh, as it's been going up to this point, this is it. This is the end of the video ones. You don't have to listen to that little snippet at the beginning anymore where Russ says, Oops-a-doodle. Multiple times. Uh, and we're now going to be live. Yay. Well... We're probably we've probably built up a backlog by now. Time is weird. Time is weird. Time is a human construct. And you, if you mil- visit multiple time frames, you get live a live. See, I tied it all together. Clearly. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on YouTube.com/slash/CentaurProductions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMech25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.